Hey, welcome to the Mind Your Health podcast. I'm so glad you can join us. I'm your host, Dr. Mina Merholm. I'm a board-certified psychiatrist and an assistant professor of clinical psychiatry in Columbia University. I'll be speaking with some of the leading experts in mental health around the world to learn how we can incorporate principles of lifestyle changes, our faith, as well as some of the leading innovations in mental health to learn how we can live happier and more fulfilled lives. And hopefully we'll have some fun along the way. I hope this inspires you and encourages you to mind your health. Welcome to the Mind Your Health podcast host, Dr. Mina Merholm, assistant professor of clinical psychiatry in Columbia University. And today we've got a special, special privilege, somebody I've been a big fan of that we met 10 years ago randomly in a coffee shop in New York, but we'll get into that maybe as time goes on. I want to introduce you guys to my man, Andy Minio, gold-selling artist, inspirational speaker, preacher, hip-hop artist, just all around awesome guy. So welcome, Andy. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Nah, thank you for having me and, and thank you for uh, doing this podcast in general, man. I think it's just super important, the stuff you're talking about, and I hope it's helpful for more people, man. I appreciate you, man. And, you know, one of the reasons I, I reached out to you is when I, uh, you know, when I caught the show, as, as we're, we're just talking offline about the merch here from, you know, yeah. fresh off the Neverland tour here. And one of the things that I thought was super cool was, you know, that you even took time in the middle of the show, like where the momentum was going and the energy and the crowd. You know, like, you know, hold, hold up, you know, we got to talk about something really important. And you started talking about your own experience and you even shared kind of having a platform in your show for something that you really cared about. So I wanted to just ask you, like, what made you want to incorporate that? Not just to say, hey, mental health is cool or like you could do therapy, but like to make it a part of your show. Well, you know, I think one of the calling cards for me as an artist, like why I think people are drawn to me is, you know, obviously you give them hits, you give them bangers, you give them a good time, something entertaining. But also I think, you know, my core fans really appreciate my vulnerability because they don't, mm. they don't feel as alone. Right. And I think that's the thing that always makes you emotionally connect with an artist more, you know, when you can relate to them or mm. they can be a part of your story. And so I've always just tried to share my story, honestly, from where I am at the time, not necessarily concerned if it doesn't relate to everybody, but the people that will relate will find your stuff. And so I was just being vulnerable as I normally am throughout my music and my art. And uh, I wanted to take a second to set up a song and let people know where I was at and my journey with my own mental health, emotional health, the things I've been learning as I've gone through therapy throughout the years. And, you know, I'm passionate about that because I feel like it is such an underdeveloped area in so many people's mm -hmm. lives, mostly because of stigma or just lack of resources. And so Crisis Text Line is a platform that is trying to help in whatever way they can, particularly through text message, deal with or, or help people that are dealing with mental health crisis. You know, so if someone feels like they want to commit suicide or, or anything that they would deem a, a crisis. They partnered with me and I was I wanted to make sure that, that people would have a resource if anybody felt that way, because you never know when these people come to these shows. I've had conversations with them afterwards that were like, man, I came to this thing suicidal. I came to this thing after the biggest breakup of my life and you never know where people are. And so that's why I wanted to partner with them, wanted to make sure I give them some time throughout the show and then tell people really where I am as a human. You know, we're all having a good time. We're rapping, you know, we're, we're doing all that. But. I want to connect with people too and give them some of that personal touch. Oh man, I can tell you as a fan in the crowd who were talking to other people afterwards, like a lot of people were touched by that. A lot of people felt like, you know what, either they're going through it right now or going through a crisis, mm -hmm. or they felt like, yo, if Andy could talk about it, like I can kind of talk about it too. 
it reminded me of one of my favorite lines from you when, when you were saying, you know, these are my trophies when people are paying quote, right? Like there's right. Grammys and stuff are cool and awards are cool. And, you know, you're set up for all kinds of awesome awards, but to your point, like there's something profound when you can connect with somebody who's hurting on a, on a human level, you know, and I feel like that's, that is definitely a calling card for you. Did you feel like, have you gotten feedback from people like fans and say like, yo, you know, because of this, I reached out or because of this, this like made an impact for me. Yeah, for sure. I've actually, um, a lot of times I see these things on DM or through my text messaging line. Mm -hmm. So I have a, a community phone where I'm able to stay in touch with fans and people there. And so you hear stories like that all the time of people just kind of being given permission to wrestle mm -hmm. through those things. I think that's like one of the biggest things is when you don't have a map of how to navigate life, sometimes someone else talking about it can just be the, the permission you need to go there and feel those things or talk about them, you know? And I think that permission that you're given, it really hits two different populations that you speak to, right? On the one hand, maybe one in like in the hip hop world, right? There is this idea that, you know, hey, to, to be, you know, hard and to be gangster and to be, you know, to be like a real man, <clears throat> Don't be soft. Like, don't be talking about mental health, you know, or, you know, even like in, in your video, right? Like be about it. And you had these distributed to all these artists. And one of them was, you know, was DMX. And he was one of the people that was more vulnerable throughout his career, but there was still a lot of stigma associated in the hip hop world. Can you speak to like, when you talk to people in the music world or people like in that arena, what's the stigma like there? Is it, is it hard to sort of crack that? Well, I think for rappers, you know, like I remember, um, Jack Harlow came to the studio one time in 2020, like right before, you know, what's popping, all that stuff came out and we were talking and I, and we were talking about this very thing. And he was like, man, in hip hop, you just have to have this bulletproof confidence right. is what he said. And I always remembered that, that statement. Cause I was like, it's true. That's really like, that's the thing that sells you so hard is like, dang, look how confident that person. So they, they always say like in marketing, it's like, Oh, the artists that do well are the, the artists that the guys want to be and the girls want to be with, right? So they have to like exude this confidence, this coolness, this all that. And so when you think about something like mental health or emotional health or whatever, those aren't necessarily things that tick those boxes for, for them. You know what I mean? And so most of the time it's like, ah, that's not going to help my brand, my image, my whatever, especially in rap where arrogance and all this stuff is, is, exalted like this is what makes you cool so i think there's obviously a new wave of artists and people like that's not the only way and i think they're gonna eat up a you know a fan base share as well but i think that's some of the stigma that i find in rap is you got to maintain this hard image or this this bulletproof confidence and so showing your vulnerability it's a hard thing for anybody to do but particularly when you're put on a main stage and spotlighted and you know what i'm saying and money's put behind you to look a certain way and all that, it's even more difficult to enter into showing your vulnerabilities, you know? It seems like you're really intentional about trying to be sort of who you are, despite how somebody would define you, right? Like I know sometimes for, you know, you or Craig, you guys talk about kind of not wanting to be defined by one genre, you know, sometimes yeah. you're, not, you're not Christian enough for this, or you're not mainstream enough for that, but just kind of being you. And it sounds like, even the, even though it can be tough, like you're you're still trying doing this thing where you're you're being you regardless of how you're supposed to be presented. Like you find that sure. that's been like a tough battle in terms of thinking about your growth and feeling like you want to be like the most mainstream artist ever, or is that not really the 
the idea, just kind of being true to you. For sure. Yeah, that's a tension that we haven't really been able to figure out, you know. I mean, I always want to be authentically who I am. And so that's what we're banking on is that that's what has always built our fan base is people are like, yo, I like what you're about, who you are. And so you do have this tension of, for me, at least, I want to make sure that my music isn't just being compartmentalized or like segmented to like Sunday because some people see me as a Christian artist. And then some people that I'm being introduced to have no idea that I'm a Christian, you know, because they just hear coming in hot or another song, you know what I'm saying? So I'm in that interesting space where I'd love my music to service all those people, but I don't think I'm going to do anything out of character to try to attract one or the other, whether that's being overtly Christian in a way that's not true to me or being overtly, what do you call it? Yeah, like overtly, like trying to, to, uh, attract attention from spaces in an inauthentic way too. So just banking, banking on being me as being enough. So far that's working. I mean, whether it's, you know, I know that we're coming at hot like the time when even Braun had it on like Instagram and that was, you know, that was really cool that you do have this appeal to, to people everywhere, but what's it like, let's say when somebody doesn't know that you're a Christian and then they come onto your music and then I don't know if you interact directly with people like that or like what's the kind of feedback that you get from people who are like, yo, I, oh, I just thought your music was cool. Or like, oh, that's interesting that there seems to be a message behind it. Yeah, that stuff happens all the time. It happens all the time. And I think that's dope. You know, I, I heard a story one time. My buddy told me he's like, he just found Coming In Hot or I Ain't Done or one of those songs. Then he discovered my back catalog and he saw that, you know, when you get into an album, you know, you'll hear me talk about life, my wife, my faith, all that stuff. And it made him start digging deeper into the stuff we were talking about. And he ended up getting one of my, the arrow from my last album tattooed on himself. And he met my buddy Ray, started coming to church with him and started exploring spirituality because of those things, you know? And so I ran into one lady one time at um, a hospital. She was a, she was a recovering addict. And she had found my freestyle, like me rapping on BET, then went and looked up my music, found more stuff. And then she's like, yo, now I got married. I'm having my kid. That's why she was in the hospital. And that's what actually what that the people in pain quote me that lyric came from was running into her. So it's funny, man, like you never know, just making good art can reach so many people. And I've, I've never or not, not never, but over the last seven years, never felt the need to have to like be overtly explicit about my faith in order to have my faith be real to me. And I think that used to be a, um, a qualifier that some people would hold you to is like, are you enough of this right. or not that? And I'm like, man, I wake up in the morning and I go take a dump like everybody else. And I don't, you know, I might not pray first or whatever. It's like, you, you just, you're living your life. You're a normal person. And sometimes I want to turn up and have a good time. Sometimes I want to pray. Sometimes I want to have a drink. You know, it's like I'm a human being and, and there's many layers to me. And I think that's what I try to communicate in the music is that I'm not just going to be a poster boy for, for one thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and maybe that's more what people need too. You know, they, they don't need a poster boy. And there's that other line that I really like that you said is that, you know, Jesus saved us from Christians, you know, the ones who say uh, forget. And like that idea of Sometimes yeah. Christians can sort of be probably the biggest critics for Christian sure. art, for somebody who's just trying to for do sure. good art. Have you gotten that kind of feedback from like this super Christian kind of fan base? 
you gotta say Jesus more in every line. That's right. And some people want, you know, they come to artists for certain things and that's okay. You know, but I think my fans come to me for the authenticity and realness that I bring in. It might not be for everybody. I'm all right with that, you know? Yeah, and in a similar, so when I was asking you kind of these two groups, so one group is the Christian world in terms of stigma. Do you feel like as you're interacting more like in church and even like in your circle of friends and stuff, having heard kind of your journey about mental health, some people have sort of said to me, like, I'm a Christian, I'm a psychiatrist, and they'll say like, you know, that's cool and stuff, but like, we really should be able to pray through these things and that should be kind of enough, right? Mm -hmm. Has that been something that's been said to you as you've kind of spoken about your journey? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like, I have heard those things. Yeah, I think there's like, there's obviously a place for Christian disciplines and practice. Like if you are a practice, practicing Christian, like prayer and Bible reading and community and communion and gathering, all that stuff is like extremely good for your probably your your mind your body your soul but i think sometimes what can happen is we can use those things as a excuse to not venture deeper into maybe mental health you know instead of saying like man you know if i get if someone hits my arm right and like i hit an artery i'm like i'm not gonna pray about it only i'm gonna say my prayers on the way to the hospital right you know what i'm saying and so I think God created doctors and information and science and things that we can use to help people get better. You know what I'm saying? And so I, I don't see them as like diametrically opposed. I see them working together, prayer and therapy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I get a little weary of that because I think we might be even be selling ourselves short, not seeing the totality of like God giving us these resources that are meant to work together. You know what I'm saying? Right, man. And I'll tell you, like, the research really backs up what you're saying, too. That, you know, not only do we, we sort of feel it, right? Like, if you've got good therapy and you have good community and good spiritual community, it feels better for you. Mm -hmm. um, but there's actually these thousands of studies that say exactly what you're saying. There's real research, real studies that show, no, this part is actually really beneficial in a similar way to what medicine can be, in a similar way to therapy. And when you really put them together and you really combine everything that sort of God has given you, all the resources, it goes a long way. It makes a, it makes a big difference. So it's refreshing to hear you say that as well. For sure. And I was wondering sort of, so maybe del delving a little bit more into your, your journey. I know you, you shared kind of when this happened for you, maybe first in 2016, and it was like the worst year you could remember. And how did you first know that, hey, this is something, this is like a real mental health thing. This is something that's bigger than just like, I'm having a tough day or, you know, it's been a tough week. What mm -hmm. made you feel like, you know what, you know, this is, I got to get some help. From this. I, I had a meltdown, so I had no choice. I was like desperate. You know what I'm saying? I was, um, I don't know if, if anyone's ever had, you know, who's listening has ever had like a full on, like a panic attack and like mental breakdown where you can't see clearly you're dealing with disassociation the feeling of being outside of yourself, like overwhelming emotion that won't leave for days on end. Like that is what I experienced for like a week. And, you know, there's all kinds of books on this stuff, like the body keeps the score. But what I realized was you can only push down emotional issues for so long until they come to the surface and manifest themselves in physical ways. 
So I'll give you an example. This is like a moment that really made me realize our emotional self is just as important as our physical self. Our emotional self, our, someone would say like your spirit, the non-visible part of you, we, we kind of neglect that because we can't see it. So we'll go to a doctor once a year for a checkup because we have a physical body, but we don't go once a year anywhere to emotionally, mentally check in. Why is that? Well, I can't see that part of me and therefore I don't value it as much. And we don't live in a society that values it that much. But I had this moment, a pretty spiritual moment just in nature. When I had finished a workout and I was doing this like Zoom workout with friends and I was like, hey, at the end of our workout for a year, we did this. I was like, we meditate for like three minutes at the end. So you just stop, you know, you're sweating still, but you sit there quietly and you breathe and you take time to be present in the moment and be grateful for life, all those things. So one of the practices was look out your window and focus on something and just look at it intently, not trying to figure it out or understand it, but just to observe it. And so we spent three minutes doing that. And I looked out the window and I looked at a tree. And as I was looking at this tree, I see it kind of like moving, you know, a little bit and the, the leaves are kind of moving. And I just had this moment, this fascinating moment where I go, wow, it looks like the tree is dancing, right? But the tree isn't physically moving. It's the non-visible thing that's causing it to move, which is the wind. And I was like, the wind is actually moving that, but I can't see it, but it's working together as one thing. And it was kind of this metaphor for me is like the non-visible part of our body is in a lot of ways moving our body. Right. But you can right. only see this, right? So if you didn't know about wind, you would say the tree's dancing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so is that reminder for me, like when we first moved to Atlanta, the house that we first bought, it got robbed. Someone broke, kicked in the door, you know, violated our space. Me and my wife came home and we saw like, wow, the doors kicked in. Someone took our stuff. It was like traumatizing for my wife. The moment that they finally found the guy who did this and I got the phone call, I went and I told my wife. And when I told her, she broke down emotionally. And what I realized in that moment, and I use this as another example, is to say, when I told her that this person was locked up put in custody, like her body had a physical reaction to the emotions that she had been carrying around. Mm -hmm. So even though you would look at her, you wouldn't say like, oh, she's in distress. She's right. carrying something non-physical in her body right. that the moment that she knew she was safe, it was able to be released. I don't know if you ever watch fighters, you know, after they're in like a crazy battle and then they win, they raise their hand, they break down emotionally and start crying. Right. They've had to suppress that emotion for so long to be able mm -hmm. to get through the fight or the journey that they haven't allowed themselves to feel. Finally, the fight's over and they want to now they can let themselves feel again and they get rushed with this emotion. Wow. So I say all these examples, I'm, I'm taking a really long winded way around to say this, but to say that I had been pushing things down emotionally to focus on work and to work and to work and to work. And finally, my body broke. And I said, you're not going to keep going, actually. I need to take a break. And I remember even coming home and I sat at the breakfast table with my wife and I just started crying. And like, you know, she gave me eggs, you know, and then I'm like crying. It was like, you know, these eggs are beautiful. It was nothing. It had nothing to do with eggs. And she was like, why are you crying? And I said, I don't know. Wow. 
And what I did is through research, I started finding out that your body will start releasing mm. tears out of your eyes as a form of stress release because it's holding on to stress in your body and it has to come out. So there was nothing that triggered it. It was just literally my body saying, I have to get this out of me because wow. there's too much energy stored in my body on this emotional level. So it was these experiences and these moments in my life that really showed me the importance of like our physical and non-physical being need to both be taken care of. And that's the mental, emotional aspect of who we are. And I think religion is one form of people trying to deal with that non-physical version of themselves. And I think it's an incredible supplement for living a healthy life to be physically and mentally and emotionally stable. But I, I was brought to a broken, breaking point, which led me to start seeking out counselors and therapy and deep conversations with friends and spiritual leaders. And through that process, it, I began to go to therapy for like 18 months straight. And it was just life-changing for me. So sorry, I was so long-winded, but to make that point, I had to take the other way back. Yeah, because especially, I mean, I'm glad that you did go through that because I feel like the analogy or like the way to picture it is really important because a lot of times we can tell somebody that, hey, there's something going on emotionally and that affects your body. But the imagery, I think that you're saying is really striking, it's something I'm going to remember for a long time because we know on some level that like you, you come to a point where you just can't hold it anymore, whatever that is. I mean, you mentioned yeah. taking a dump earlier. Sometimes it could, it's got to come out of you, whatever it is, something that's stored in can't be stored in too long until it becomes toxic right that's um, right i love how poop has made itself into this conversation twice wow, added all of it out <laughs> that's the real theological truth i think it's yeah that's true. right your emotional state is like a heaping doo-doo all right yeah. isn't it always and you just yeah, gotta release yeah. it. flush it out an illustration on 10 <laughs> no but I, I mean i think again that's why we're gifted as a as the scientific community with artists like you guys who can sort of paint a picture for us. And that's why I think for us, even today, being able to collaborate on this topic so that people can see, they can hear from a doctor, yap, 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 emotional health is important. But when they hear it from you, whether it's that breakdown experience or as we were talking about offline too, like there were different stages of your life that were really tough too. Like I think when your mom passed, you know, yeah. that must've been a big adjustment too. And I'm curious to kind of hear from you. I know, you know, you mentioned that there were people that you thought were close that weren't as close, right? Maybe when your mom passed that somebody didn't slide, you know, didn't hit you up they thought as the way that you thought they would, right? Someone who you thought was a close friend and they weren't. What was it like just kind of dealing with her loss and kind of just going through that grieving process? Yeah, I learned a lot through my mother passing, particularly about grief. I remember I had been starting to go through therapy around that time. And I called the, the, the guy who was working with me and he, he's become like a father to me, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, um, man, I don't know how to do this. You know, I don't know how to grieve. And he says, well, Andy, what have you been doing? And I said, it, it, was, it was an intense moment. You know, like I had just, I was at the hospital and like I held her in my hands like as she passed, you know? It was like, saw death firsthand from the person you love more than anybody, you know, it's like, it was an overwhelming experience. I said, I don't know how to do this. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, um, I'm with my brothers and my brother and my sisters and we're together. 
and we're remembering her. We are eating food together. We're laughing at things that she used to do. We're remembering cool memories that we had with her. Uh, we're getting angry at her for things that she did. You know, like we're having all these feelings of remembering her together and crying together when we need to cry all that. And he goes, you're doing it. You're doing it. You're, you're grieving. And I said, well, is there like some process to that? And he's like, you're doing it. You are allowing yourself to feel and giving yourself to feeling. And I know a lot of people like when someone dies, like their mom dies, like, all right, I'll be back to work on Monday, you know, or whatever it is that they feel like they need to jump right back into regular life so that they, one, don't have to feel anything. And two, so they, they can distract themselves with other things like work so they know how to process that. And I think it's a, it's a huge disservice in two ways. One, to the person that you're grieving. You know, someone told me every time we cry, every time we shed a tear, it honors the people that we're sad about because it means that they meant something to us. So our grief and our sadness shouldn't be skipped over or buried. But that's a thing that we try to do is outrun our sadness, you know, because we hate the way it makes us feel. And we don't want to sit in it or allow ourselves to, to process and feel it. So we run from it. Like, oh, let me bury myself back in work or porn or whatever your thing is. Food, you know, the, the list goes on. That's a disservice to them. And it's a disservice to yourself because you bury your emotions. And when you bury them, they come back alive somewhere else in your life at a different time. And your emotional energy, that is just that. It is energy. Like when we get angry and we want to punch something, the emotion that we're feeling is generating real energy inside of our body and it wants to come out so that we can be at equilibrium. When you bury sadness, it stays in you. <laughs> and I, I, that sounds like super spiritual as it is in a way, but there, there's some science to this as well, of like the energy that we keep from the, that's generated in our body. And, um, I think that's why things like spiritual practices or therapy can be good ways to release those or come back to equilibrium. But yeah, the, the loss of my mother caused me to grieve in a way that I had never given myself over to before. And I think the reason why I'm able to move forward and live life and still miss the hell out of her and be sad when I think about her is because I stopped to allow myself for those days to really grieve. If you don't, I feel like you'll end up trying to outrun it your whole life instead of facing it. And I, um, I think the reason people don't face their emotions is because they don't know how, right. They're like, what am I, if I let myself feel this, I'm going to die. <laughs> it's going to be overwhelming. My, um, my head's going to explode. My heart's going to explode, whatever. And they don't know that it won't explode. It'll, it'll be very hard and difficult to feel all those things, but it'll be better for you than to run away from it or to bury it with alcohol or, drugs or whatever your your thing is so that's, that's i mean that's really profound i think the fact of having somebody to guide you in the process and just say you don't have to outrun this and and some people will sometimes ask me as they're going through grief is sometimes for like a manual almost right is that like am i doing the right thing am i supposed to be doing whatever it is that's that's sort of expected of me in this grieving period and just kind of giving themselves a license to grieve in a different way can be really like liberating. And it sounds like you were able to face those emotions and kind of go through them in their own time without feeling like you have to outrun them or without feeling like you have to be 
necessarily stuck in them either, right? Like you were still able to kind of go through the days and the processes of, of grief in a, in a pretty healthy way. So I'm, I'm curious, I know you touched on this, sort of the spiritual, ask more direct kind of Christian question, <laughs> like the role of, of your faith in the grieving process. Like, did you feel like you were able to see Christ in a different way in that grief? Did you feel like this was, you know, his, his support was there in a different way or, you know, just kind of was curious about the role uh, of your faith in the grieving process. Yeah. I think uh, over the last few years, you know, 2015, 16 and like onward, my faith has gotten less, and this is going to sound like a bad thing, but it's not less certain. So I have one, one friend describe Christianity to me. He's like, Oh, the cult of certainty. And I thought it was funny because, you know, when Jesus gets asked questions, he returns those questions with questions, the wrestling, the tension, you know, like the, the, the name Israel, God's people means to wrestle. It means to ask questions. It means to think critically. It means to feel, it means to go back and forth with God. And so I think I, you know, early version of Christianity that I was a part of was very about like, we have the answers. We are very certain we are reformed. We are whatever it is, the, the, the group that thinks that they're the most right. And I moved from that to a little bit more of a mystical approach, which is like, actually, I think God is infinite and all powerful and makes me less certain about things, but more in awe and wonder of God, you know, and it made the lofty ideas about faith more interesting, but also the humanity of Jesus more interesting and how they both exist. Right. And in my grieving process, I saw the humanity of Jesus as something really beautiful to me, mm -hmm. particularly the story of Lazarus. And so the story goes as this, Lazarus was a friend of Jesus and Mary and Martha were two women that Jesus was also friends with, and they were grieving at the loss of Lazarus. Jesus found out that Lazarus had died and he made his way to that town to be with them. The shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. And it's profound because we know that after that verse, it goes to talking about how Jesus literally raised Lazarus from the dead. What was profound to me when I thought about that in my grieving process is that like, one, God never does something without doing it first, right? Like Jesus would never command us or ask to do something. He shows us how to live by saying like, I'm going to do it. So when he says like, die daily and take up your cross, he's like, I did that so I can show you how to do that you know, in a metaphorical sense. And, and he went in the literal sense, even though Jesus had all the power to resurrect Lazarus, he didn't skip over the process of grieving. He went into it with them. So like, if, and I'm thinking about that, like, yo, if I was Jesus and I showed up somewhere and I'm like, oh, I could raise this guy from the dead. Why are you crying? Stop crying. Lazarus come forth, you know, like, but he knew he was going to do that and still stopped to cry with Mary, like to let himself feel sadness with her and to be there with her. It says in the Bible, to weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. It is an opportunity for us to be connected once again, as Jesus shows us like our humanity of like pain is never going to 
not exist while we're here on earth because this isn't heaven since we're all going to experience pain the best thing that we can have is to experience pain together so that we don't feel alone in it and that's what jesus does and he's like i'm not skipping over this and that was profound to me and and a reminder to me that like i should do as jesus did and allow myself to weep allow myself to cry you know i have a lot of qualms with like american christianity but i have very few with jesus and for those exact reasons when i look at the bible and i read about jesus those are the things that blow me away and make me say like i want to follow this guy he's he's on to something you know what i mean so in some ways even the like the weeping is as profound a miracle as the as the raising from the dead right like he's done a lot of fancy miracles where you could do you know feeding people or raising people but maybe even his vulnerability in that moment and allowing giving us almost like a portal of pain right like pain is going to exist for us but mm -hmm. he sort of transformed pain to be a way to connect with him to have communion with him in a way that was never possible before god was still distant enough god is impassable right like you're saying this mystical god of the universe who's high on a mountain and here is this god who weeps and that's maybe something that's incredibly powerful and liberating for us as we're going through sort of pain and grief so I'm, thank you for sharing that like how you, how you see that for sure for sure so I'm, i mean i know we're sort of talking about heavy heavy things here and i know it wasn't all you know grief and and sort of difficulty as well i was curious sort of on the on the flip side of things here i know in contrast to maybe american christianity or in contrast to like the perception of what a Christian artist would look like. You were saying you're trying to just be kind of more human and more more yourself. To someone maybe who's not as familiar with like what it means to be a Christian, right? Well, what it, what the expectations are to like live a Christian life. How do you sort of present the fact that you're just a normal person and your faith is important to you and it doesn't make you weird, right? If somebody's like asking you, like if I was similar to maybe when you asked your therapist, like I don't know how to do this grief thing mm -hmm. someone says andy like i don't really know how to do this like christian thing like it sounds interesting jesus seems like a nice guy but i don't really know how to do this thing like what would you sort of say to somebody who's exploring i don't know how to do it either <laughs> um, and i'm trying to figure it out as i go and that's the beauty of following jesus right i think the way that we kind of understand it from like a cultural perspective is like I'm this way and now I say I want to follow and learn the teachings of Jesus and now I got to be this way. It's like a separation completely and there's that that's it. What I actually think the process of becoming a follower of Yeshua of the way of Jesus is to take one step at a time in that direction and to learn. I think the perception is like now I need to behave like I need to act like this i need to do all these things and we don't really give room for people to wrestle or to journey or to ask real questions mm -hmm. and so what we get left with is this kind of like very shallow and hollow version of christianity that most people think is christianity and it's not it's this like pharisaical pretending acting like we got all of our you know crap together instead of like i'm openly walking and wrestling with god and working through these things and and trying to think different and and so i think it's a process to journey with god that you're welcome to get on board with 
that's what I would invite people to. But like we have a group of guys, like we get together on Wednesdays, sometimes on weekends, and we journey and wrestle with these things. And people are in different places in their spiritual walk, but nobody in there is going, yo, I'm the one who's got it all together. Now I can teach all of you how to do it. And that's the beauty of authentically walking with God. It really is frustrating when, you know, this weird cultish version of Christianity that we see as like American evangelical industrial complex like we're supposed to churn out people to behave a certain way and look a certain way even if they don't understand what they're doing or give them room to wrestle with it and it creates this weird cultish thing it really is frustrating and sad that most people's idea of christianity is that as opposed to a ongoing journey to walk with god and to walk humbly before him and learn and ask questions and that so I think that's more accurate. And that's what I would invite people to. It's like, I don't know how to do this. It's like, join the party of a community of people that are trying to do that together. And sometimes uh, you can find that in, in churches. Sadly, sometimes you can't. But the internet allows us to connect with a lot of people. And even in your local communities, I think when you lead with vulnerability, you receive vulnerability back. So I'd walk in and be like, I'm wrestling, I'm struggling with these things. I want help, you know, Is any, can anybody relate and see if anybody will meet you there? I don't know. That's a complex one, man. Well, that's a great answer because of all the times I've like, I've spoken with people who are maybe searching. I have, I've never heard someone say, you know, this one group that was inviting me to like ask questions and sort of go through a process that really turned me off. What really turns people off most of the times that I've sort of heard people say like, if I asked a critical question, they made it seem like I was some super atheist and I'm not welcome here, right? If I used my brain, that's like, hey man, why are you questioning facts, you know? And very few people, as you probably have gotten this too, as you said, like very few people have said, I have serious issues or qualms with the person of Jesus, right? People have just said, hey, like, this doesn't seem like an inviting process or this doesn't seem like a, like a process that lets me kind of go through things in my own time. So what you're saying is actually sounds really refreshing to people. Yeah. Yeah. I wish there was, I, I just wish there was more of that. You know, I think also like a great place for someone to start is like to write down your questions, ask your questions. We got a guy in this group that comes and kicks it with us and he's like, yo, I don't know about fasting, you know, and might just share like, I don't, I don't understand it. Well, let's talk about it. Why is it important? Is this like, oh, I sense God. It's like, nah, it's you're, you're starving. And your brain isn't working right because you don't got food. So I don't understand. How's this work? We, we love it because it's like, bro, we should be asking these questions. If your faith is going to be real and authentic, then don't just be like, oh, I, I, I better get in line and say yes and amen to everything, even if I don't agree with it and understand it. That's not real faith. That's being a sheep. You know, that's like just going along with things that you don't understand. Like that doesn't even make sense. So I think if people know that they can openly wrestle and walk with God like that, I think that's a refreshing and hopefully encouraging for them to press in um, and not pretend. Yeah. And I think as people are wrestling, so one of the themes, you know, that you sort of get into in different songs too, is let's say as somebody begins to sort of get deeper, whether it's their faith relationship or relationship with God, or just sort of how they see the world in general, right? Like there is a general idea sort of for us in the West that the goal of life is to be like as comfortable as possible, right? Like to do everything you can so that you can avoid any kind of pain or discomfort. 
And there's a great line where you say, like, I didn't know that you could die from bliss, right? You can be so comfortable and so chilling, whether you're a Christian or you're just a regular person going around. What's the lulling danger of bliss or to sort of sit back and, and have it all and be as comfortable as possible? Why is that something to be aware of? Yeah, I think comfort is something that we all look for, right? We want to be physically, emotionally comfort, comforted. And like, I don't think it's inherently wrong. I think we have to be cautious of like living a life that is explicitly about our comfort. Because what I think it does is it makes us, our world and our minds very small because it makes us only centered on ourselves. And we as human beings belong to something much bigger than ourselves, which is the human race, right? Like we live on and with a living planet right so like to be in harmony and in relationship with that is to think outside of yourself like i want to take care of the planet because i live here and it's my life is not just about me there's other people that are going to have to enjoy this place when i'm gone so it expands your mind to think bigger it also allows you to think about other people and sometimes to experience discomfort to bring comfort to somebody else i think that is a big and meaningful life I think a life that is completely self-centered and focused and only in the pursuit of comfort is one that is going to be ultimately unsatisfying. And, you know, I just, that's where I'm placing my bets when it comes to how life is going to, like what I'm going to think at the end of it. Some of the dangers of comfort is, is that, I mean, and there's like real physical examples, like discomfort typically is healthy for us, even in a physical sense. And I've found that the physical and the, the supernatural, the spiritual kind of inter intersect like that. There's a lot of spiritual lessons in physical things. So it's painful and it sucks sometimes when you go jogging and it's good for you as well. When you work out and you feel the strain, but you grow stronger because of it. I think those are all like universally true principles. Yeah, and it sounds like that also ties into what you're saying, even though it's comfort from like a mental health standpoint, there are these Foreign, right these foreign and uncomfortable emotions that just feel like as you said like if i approach them my head's gonna explode right I, I just it's so it's such a territory that's unknown that if i touch it i don't know what it's gonna do to me like right. people feel that way when they come see a shrink for the first time it's like what's what's gonna happen here right like how how deep are we gonna go into my like heart or my emotional life right. that like it's gonna be terrifying but and it's gonna make me uncomfortable so i don't want to do it I'd rather not access that and live at a lower capacity of my emotional capacity than to do the hard work of going into that. And I understand it. Like I understand not wanting to go to the gym. I understand not wanting to do the hard work to make yourself better. I understand it. I just don't think it ultimately is going to get people to a place that they're going to be happy about. And that's that, you know, live your life, do whatever you want. I'm not here to shame anybody, but. I just, that's my perspective on the whole thing is I think the discomfort is all, often what's going to make you grow and make you better. And I think that's universally true. Yeah, maybe just as you're saying, seeing what's on the back end, like the, uh, the potential of- For sure. Obviously you can know sort of, you go to the gym and you get you better health, that's, that's something good. Maybe if you could speak for a second to having gone through a lot of these processes. And I mean, just hearing you, you're, you're an emotionally mature person, you know, who's kind of worked through a lot of these things. If you were to tell somebody, here is sort of the potential benefit, right? Here's, here's why you could take that first tough step, because here is the reward. 
you know, could you speak a little bit to the reward of like emotional maturity, how this impact maybe your relationship? Absolutely. Every single aspect of relationships in my life has improved by me becoming more healthy. Mm. I am a better husband. I think I would be a better father if I had kids. I am a better friend. I am a better worker, songwriter. Mm. I am a better boss and employer because I have done the work and I continue to do the work of trying to grow or understand myself emotionally. There's also, there's one person you're going to live with your entire life and it's yourself. And you take you with you everywhere. So to not understand how you work or you tick or what's happening inside of you is literally psychotic. It's like, why would you not want to know the person that you have to be with every single day? Because when you know that person, you learn to love that person and you have access to that person, then you can give it to somebody else, like in marriage or in having a kid or being a father or being whatever it is you want to be a friend. Everything improves because of that. Because now if me and my wife get into an argument, I have tools that I can access to work through that argument. If my friends, I'll give you an example. In my early 20s, I had a friend tell me, he's like, yo, I'm having a kid, right? Like an unexpected kid, this is going to change his life. And he started crying in my arms. And because I didn't know how to deal with him, his grief or his sadness, I just awkwardly was like patting his back like, uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm trying to, what I was trying to do is like make him stop. It's okay, man. It's going to be okay. I'm trying to shush down his, his moment of being vulnerable and have, and really what I should have done is just cried with him and entered into that feeling with him. I would have had the emotional capacity now to just sit mm-hmm. the way I did with my godson recently and, and be able to cry with him and then be there with him and not have to rush out of the thing so that he could feel safe. That's making me a better person for the people that I love the most. And I think if you want that in your life, I think it's the work is necessary to do because ultimately you will benefit and so will the people around you. I can't think of a better note to end on here. It's like a mic drop. Yeah. yeah. It's so profound. I just, I'm so grateful to you, man, for having the courage to go through that journey and for having the courage and vulnerability to share that with with us i mean it's it's inspiring bro i mean thank you so much man it's my pleasure i'm grateful that you're having these conversations and i'm glad i could contribute in any way yeah thanks again brother thank you so much for checking out this episode please take a second to rate and review as this helps us reach more people and until then please don't forget to mind your health see you soon